Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Hey, so happy you're here. Welcome back to Live Free Creative Podcast. You're listening to episode number 206. This episode is called Connecting with Your Teenagers. Maybe you have teenagers right now. Maybe you remember having teenagers. Maybe you have children who will one day be teenagers. Maybe you are nowhere near having kids at all. I think that there are things that will be shared in this episode that will be valuable for any stage and especially if you happen to be nearing or in the middle of it the way that I am. My kids are 8, 11, and 13 right now. So I have one quote-unquote official teenager. You've heard from him a couple different times on this podcast, my oldest Milo. I have an 11-year-old who is very much in tween zone, and we talk about him you know, as a tween. He's kind of on the cusp of, of teenagerhood. And then my eight-year-old who is just a solid grade school age with all of the fun that accompanies that. These are different stages of development, different ways of seeing the world, different ways of seeing yourself. And all of it, I, I'm going to say especially starting about 11, 12, this transition from middle age, from school age child into tween and teen feels like an official closing of one chapter of development and moving on to another it feels like a real solid pivot point for me and for us and in observing my own kids in recognizing the changes in their behavior expectation uh, their thought process the way that their brains even compute things it's really different different than it was when they were younger and different than I expected And I'm thrilled today to have a conversation with one of my friends and teen connection expert, Brooke Romney, who is ahead of me in the parenting game. She has four kids ages 20, 18, 16, and 11, I think, 10, 11, almost 12. She's just that step ahead and also so wise 
so connected, so candid. I will share a little bit more about her as I get ready to jump into the interview, the conversation. I want to start by, let's just talk a little bit about life lately. As I'm recording this, the mornings in Richmond, Virginia are in the 60s and the afternoons are in the 90s. We are in that very sandwich feeling of fall where I get the little tease of sweater weather and then am back to like wearing shorts and a t-shirt in the middle of the day. I did pull out all of our Halloween decorations. I told Plum we're not going to put up the actual Halloween like spooky stuff. We have some skeletons and bats and spider webs. Those things we're going to wait until October 1st. But I pulled our pumpkins out. I invested in a really great set of faux pumpkins. I think originally from Home Depot. I will try to see if I can find it and put the link in the show notes. It comes as a set of three stacking pumpkins. And sometimes I stack them and sometimes I just lay them out. This is going to be our first holiday season in our new house. And our previous house had a really big front porch with about six steps leading up to what was like a room-sized front porch. I loved decorating the steps. I loved decorating the porch. And I think I invested in these pumpkins to go all up and down the stairway on the way to the porch. So it was interesting to pull them out of storage and to kind of evaluate my front yard, my the front of my house. We have one step onto a small portico stoop. There isn't a porch. There isn't a big hill kind of like there was on our last house. And so I scattered pumpkins across the front planters, basically. There's some uh, a couple little pumpkins and some cabbage and mums. I grabbed a couple things at the local nursery just to put in terracotta pots on the stoop step. I mean, really, there's like the sidewalk, one step, and then the actual stoop. So I did a couple things right there. But then it's actually turned out so cute to instead of having all of the steps of the porch to put these big faux pumpkins kind of in between my boxwood plants in these front planters that span the front of the house. Uh, I will take a picture and post it on the show notes of this episode if you want to get a feel for this kind of adjusted harvest Halloween decoration using the same things that I have used in the past in a new way. I will share that with you there. The other fun update to this new house is a small one with huge impact. I had bought some cedar shake shingles back in like February, right after we moved into this house. I recognized from the front, and if you go to the show notes, you'll see the front of the house, that there was this little awning over the portico and these little triangles above the dormer windows. There's two dormers on the front of the house, and it's a white house with black shutters and a black door. It's really cute pretty you know simple looking and I thought it just could use a little warmth there's something about just adding a little warmth with wood and texture that I thought would be great so I I bought these shingles months ago and last week turned in my first grad school paper a day early I felt very adult turning in my paper a day a whole day early and then I spent that day that instead of you know, frantically procrastinating and then working on my paper at the last minute, I spent the day putting shingles up on the little portico awning and it turned out so cute. I am also planning on putting some cedar shingles up on the dormers and also adding cedar flower boxes beneath the windows in the front of the house. I think those three simple elements of wood up in the dormers on the portico and then the flower boxes will add so much charm and just even doing that one little portico section to begin just infinitely increased the charm and the the cuteness of this 
little house that we have. So I will share some photos there at livefreecreative.co slash podcast. Find episode 206 and you'll be able to see the updates on the house and life lately. I'm thrilled to share that today's podcast is sponsored by Issue. You created content and now it's time to post it on your website, share it to Instagram, and send to your clients. But if posting your creation everywhere includes reformatting, resizing, re-downloading, and re-uploading, you need Issue. Create once, share everywhere seamlessly. Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials and magazines to catalogs and portfolios and so much more. There's no longer a need for endless scrolling through PDFs. Issue features your digital content in an easy-to-view way on every device. You make it once and distribute it everywhere without reformatting. Your content is automatically optimized for engagement and easy viewing on any device. This is incredible. Issue also works seamlessly with the tools that you already use, like Canva, Dropbox, MailChimp, and InDesign. Are you starting to think how this could absolutely transform your workflow? If you're like me and have any sort of a creative job in a creative industry where you are making things all the time, I wanna invite you to try Issue for free. Try it out, you can explore all the premium features that offer a more customized experience. You can get started with Issue today for free or sign up for an annual premium account and get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use the promo code livefree. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast. Use promo code livefree at checkout for your free starter account or 50% off an annual premium account. Issue.com slash podcast with the promo code livefree. I cannot wait to see what you create. In addition, if you're looking for a space to make all of those creations happen, consider joining us at Spring Creative Camp. Right now in the fall is when I plan my new year, and I have all of the registration information available for Creative Camp in March 2023. If you, like me, like to plan ahead, check out livefreecreative.com camp. And right now, until December 15th, there is a 10% discount on your registration for Creative Camp. If you want to plan ahead, you could use the space and you like a discount, head to livefreecreative.com camp. Now let's dive into the episode. A couple months ago, I sent a call out on Instagram for podcast topics. One topic that came up multiple times was the idea of connecting with your teenagers. I think some of you are going through the same thing that I am, that you're in a whole new chapter of parenthood. Raising babies and toddlers is different from raising school-age kids, is different from raising teens. And there are a lot of new challenges and as well as a lot of new exciting things that happen in the teen years. Overall, I think that it's something that I personally feeling fairly prepared in a lot of my, especially in my recent years, I've I've felt more and more confident as a parent. This has been really quite a blindsiding challenge for me. The um, culmination of hormones and identity and Uh, personality development and individuation as well as my own sort of balancing where to be flexible where to hold guidelines how to maintain connection throughout this has been 
um, an interesting challenge that has brought up, I think, a lot of different vulnerabilities, both in myself and in my husband and in our kids, that were unexpected. So I am excited to dive in today. And as I was preparing for this episode, I, I want to share a couple resources that I turned to before a couple days ago, just saying, I don't, I just need to talk to a person who is a little bit ahead of the game than I and and called my friend Brooke. So a couple resources that have been really, really helpful over the last few years just to prepare for the upcoming new uh, adventure of having teenagers are a couple books and uh, an Instagram professional who now has a book, and I will share that with you, but a book that I think has been just absolutely defining in my uh, ability to wrap my head around this is called The Self-Driven Child. I've mentioned it on the show before, but if you feel like you're bumping up against parenting a teen, this is a book that may be helpful for you in just establishing some ideas of what is best for them that may be different than what you expect. Uh, Another resource that I really have loved is a child psychologist on Instagram named Becky Kennedy or Dr. Becky. Her Instagram is mostly geared towards younger kids, but I've found myself resonating over and over again with the things that she's saying and how they can apply to older kids as well. The real truth and the foundation of what she talks about is the idea that our kids are good inside. And she has a new book that actually just arrived on my doorstep yesterday, and I was flipping through it last night, and there's a couple things I wanted to call out from this book that I think will help to kind of frame and and form foundation for the conversation that I share with Brooke. One of the ideas that Becky talks about a lot, Dr. Becky, is to connect before you correct. And that connection, that connection really is foundational for your relationship to be able to grow and for the development of your children to be able to continue. There's one section in her book where the chapter is called Building Connection Capital. And she talks about it like this. When parents are struggling with your kids, it almost always boils down to one of two problems. Either children don't feel as connected to their parents as they want to, or the children have some struggle or unmet need that they feel alone with. And then she gives this metaphor. Imagine your child has an emotional bank account. The currency in the bank account is connection, and their behavior at any given moment reflects the status of their bank account or how depleted it is. When we really connect to a child and see their experience and allow for their feelings, we build this capital. And having a healthy amount of connection capital leads kids to be able to feel confident, capable, safe, and worthy. Becky goes on to say, positive feelings on the inside lead to good behavior on the outside. Behavior like cooperation, flexibility, and regulation. So in order to create positive change, we have to first build connection which will lead kids to feel better, which will then lead them to behave better. But note, behavior comes last. We cannot start with behavior. We must start with connection. I think this is such a profound and central core tenant to parenthood and especially to parenthood with teens, which I think is an age where they start to pull away more and it becomes even more difficult to connect with them than earlier. It's also at this stage in in parenthood where we might be requesting a lot or expecting a lot of our kids. That expectation, sometimes those guidelines or rules, can be big spenders. They're big connection capital spenders. 
we need to be even bigger connection capital builders than spenders. We need to add more positive connection into our relationships than we deplete through requests, expectations, boundary setting rules, and all of those other things that feel like they come pretty naturally to parenthood, but they are secondary to the connection that we need to form. This is just one insightful tidbit from this book, Good Inside, which I will highly recommend. I'll link it in the show notes. I think definitely good for parents of all ages and stages, maybe even better for younger kids. I feel like it applies very heavily to like toddlers and middle grade and kind of maybe bridges some of the gap as you're heading into those teenage years. So if we take this at just kind of face value, connection is foundational. Connection is important. Connection with our teens is even more important than correction, than those boundaries. How do we get there? What do we do with that knowledge? What if you're having a hard time connecting with your teen? How do you kind of start to shift the relationship so that you can reconnect? Or if you have a great relationship right now and you're afraid of it changing or you're worried of it shifting and changing, how do you maintain that thread of connection even through the changes that will naturally occur during these developmental stages? That is the question that I called in my friend Brooke Romney for. Brooke Romney is a writer, a speaker, an educator. She's a mom of four. She's really honed in on this relationship to your teenagers, how to celebrate your teens, how to help stay in connection with your teens, how to teach your teens, how to build up your teens. It's really fun to follow along with her on Instagram. I will link her Instagram in the show notes. And she's also written a couple of really great books. The first is called I Like Me Anyway. The second is called 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens, which is a really cool calendar style flip book where each week of the 52 weeks of the year, you can focus in on one of these modern manners as a discussion point, something to share with your kids and to talk about at the dinner table or on the way to soccer practice. And I was so excited to see on Instagram that the second version of 52 Modern Manners for Teens comes out right now. So it will be available when this episode releases. You can hop on and find where you can locate a copy of that for yourself and your own teens. In addition to all of her outside accomplishments, Brooke is really just a wonderful person, a kind-hearted, generous, authentic, real friend. And I was so grateful to be able to reach out to her with truly like 48 hours notice and say I would love to just chat with you about this because I uh, I could use some help in this area and she so graciously accepted and hopped on and so I'm excited to share our conversation with you right now and just as a tiny caveat every time I do an interview there is the question of audio quality I made a mistake this time and I forgot to change microphones when we were recording the interview through an app that I like to use for interviews. So Brooke's audio sounds pretty good. Mine is a little bit trickier. I've done all of the adjusting that I can with my limited audio editing knowledge. So forgive, lean in close. Hopefully you are going to understand everything that you need to from this episode, despite the less than professional quality audio this time. I promise that the conversation is worth it. So thank you in advance for your patience with that. Okay, let's dive in. We have Brooke Romney here today. Brooke, I'm so excited to sit down and chat with you today. Me too. Thanks for having me to talk about one of my favorite topics. 
Yeah, of course. So um, before we rec press record, I was just kind of laughing with you about how I I have now a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, and an, and an 8-year-old. And um, I love them all. And I feel like the older two, maybe the oldest one, is going to put me into my grave before he graduates from high school. And I mean, this is all just like, the, I feel like the turning of the, of the page into this new chapter of truly parenting teens started like less than a year ago. And I already feel so out of my depth. I feel like I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> and, and I, um, I was, you know, preparing to, you know, record this episode about how to connect to your teenagers. And I was like, I don't know how, so I'm going to call in an expert. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so happy to have your perspective because I think a lot of people are blindsided by what the expectation of raising teenagers and then the reality of having these grown, growing humans in your home. I feel like one main challenge that I've come across, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is my teens are too old for me to treat like toddlers. Like I can't pick them up and contain them in the middle of a tantrum. And I can't like, um, you know, put their shoes on for them. You know, of course my, they don't really have a problem putting on their shoes, but just right. in a metaphorical sense, but they're too young to say, okay, great, fine hands off, do it all yourself. Then. Like they, they, they're in this real in-between stage and it's, it's a balancing act. Well, and I think adding to that, that they actually like think they're adults. So, so, so they don't think you should do anything. And then also like, they're actually not like pulling their weight, making big, they're really not doing any adult things yet. And so it's a very interesting space. And, you know, we were just chatting before we started record. And I think what parents don't realize is everyone feels like this, even the best parents, even the best, even with the best kids, truly, like it's this weird, weird space and no one really knows how to do it their first time. And then you get another kid who's exactly different, like got the complete opposite. And so it all feels like the first time every time you do teenage years. And so I know you're not alone in that feeling. And I felt the exact same way. And truly the reason why I talk so much about teenagers is because I just feel like I did everything wrong. With my first, like my first go around, I was like, oh my word, like hindsight, boy, I could have done this. I could have done this. You know, I did a lot of things um, right for what I knew. And I give myself a lot of grace for that because it's all I knew and I was figuring it out and he was figuring it out. But there is so, there's such a learning curve. And so when you're talking about, you know, kind of that first issue, I think as parents, we just have this desire for our kids to like us and to open up to us and for us to be someone in their corner, yet you still have to say, I need you to put the dishes in the sink. And that doesn't feel very like relationship building. Right. And one of the things that I have learned over the last few years is that you can be loving, kind, open, and also have really great boundaries and teach and, and give them what they need. I think for a long time, I thought that I needed to just be this fun, full of love parent. Um, and what I realized, you know, like a few years into it was putting those boundaries in place and letting them know that there still are expectations is what grows the relationship. Otherwise they just kind of take advantage of you. And they're like, I mean, they're smart, sweet, 
my mom really wants a relationship with me. My mom really wants me to like her. My mom really wants me to be open with her. Well, let me just manipulate it. Like, let me just do whatever I can to get what I want. And they're no different than any human, (laughs) but also way less mature when it comes to things. And so figuring out that really delicate balance of holding boundaries and also having a great relationship is something that I'm continuously working on. Sometimes like it's a home run and sometimes it's an absolute fail still like on teenager number three, who's almost 16. There's still times when I'm like, wow, I was horrible at that. And I didn't do anything that I preached because I was in the moment and it's hard. So, so hard. Well, I think it's really good to hear that. First of all, the validation that like, we're all in this together. I think every mom probably in our own way feels like I'm the only one who's ever going through this exact thing or this particular, you know, situation or emotional roller coaster. And it, it is just so nice. The value of hearing other people's stories and other people say, this was hard for me too. I think sometimes in the moment we forget to share, I mean, both for privacy and for, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable. And also I feel like I feel really deeply as my kids get older that I don't want, like their story is their own to share and not mine to talk about all the time, you know, so it's kind of tricky. Um, But it's nice to know that like, this is a universal, the transitions of parenthood are universally challenging for all of us. And And I also love this idea of the both and you can create boundaries and hold to those boundaries and also be kind, loving and and gentle. And those things are not mutually exclusive. I am I you express so beautifully wanting to be like a fun, loving, connected, you know, friend to your teen. And I feel like my natural inclination is the opposite. And it's much easier for me to be a boundary holder and just to be like, this is the way that it is hard stop than to do that with all of the love that I want to have. And I do, I mean, I'm not not like a naturally angry person and I don't really feel like I'm even angry. It's just more like, um, really committed to, to to this is what I said and this is how it's going to be. And like too bad, you know, and, um, there's something in, in there. There's something in the middle there that's like you can hold that boundary and also just really, really love and be kind to the kids, these teens. My husband is is like you are. And it took him quite a while to realize the value of a relationship. And because he is so value-driven, he's just incredible in those ways. And it sounds like that's how you are too. Um it takes a little bit of time to become more flexible and realizing what his priorities are. And I'm just going to give you an example because this is something that we have been, you know, going through. So he loves people to clean up their stuff and that is really important to him. And we have, my 17 year old is incredibly busy and he's just a mess. Now I resonate with that because I am also a mess and having a mess around me does not bother me. I can function highly in chaos and he's the same way. And he is this really exceptional kid doing a lot of things and he's super busy. And my husband, it used to drive my husband crazy that his room was just a disaster. And so for quite a few years, well, not years, but for a while, he would just like get on him and get on him and get on him. And then he got to a point where he was like, okay, I'm just going to shut his door. Then it doesn't affect me. So he started shutting his door and um, 
that worked pretty well, you know, and then, and we, we still obviously had some expectations like, Hey, on Saturday, you got to clean it up, but it was, it's, it's really bad. And the, uh, probably about three months ago, my husband was watching all, he's a senior now and he plays football. He works, he does really well in school. He's connected to friends. And probably about three months ago, my husband just said, you know what, this doesn't matter to him. And it really matters to me. And so just out of love, he started just picking up his room. He doesn't do it all the time, but when he feels overwhelmed by my son's room that my son does not feel overwhelmed by, he just walks in and he starts hanging up clothes and he makes his bed. And this kid's an awesome kid. And so this it's different if your kid is like pushing boundaries and just trying to make you miserable in certain things. But as I watched my husband kind of evolve to that place and he just, it's not an issue anymore, but it has taken so much maturity and so much growing. And there is such a beautiful relationship and just that signal to him. We have all kinds of expectations for our kids, but that one doesn't matter to my son very much. It really matters to my husband. And when my son walks in and sees his room clean and knows his dad did it, like that is love and boundaries and power that you cannot exchange. And sometimes I think for my husband, he thought, well, if I do that, then I'm, you know, if then type of thing. And it's like, yeah, he's not going to go clean his room every day. He's not going to enable him. And if he's a kid who's sitting and playing the Xbox for 10 hours and not cleaning his room, that's a different story. But when you see your kid giving effort, how beautiful to be able to meet them in that space. And it's just one of my favorite kind of growing stories. And it started with being mad. It started, and then it went to how can I deal with this? And then it went to this beautiful, like love relationship, acceptance of who someone is and, and validating all the great things that they still bring to the table. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What a great example of seeing your son as a human separate and individual from himself, from your husband and recognizing that maybe they don't value the same things and that's okay. I think that this is kind of the, um, if I'm trying to like articulate what has been a challenge about, I mean, there's lots of things, but one of the things that has been challenging is having this little person come into themselves as an individual, as, as, as an adult, like for the first time I'm starting to see kind of these, the bud of, of adulthood, right? Because as a little tiny one, I feel like they're just the little ducklings following you around. And, you know, like if any type of conflicts that you have in not to minimize all the challenges of young parenting, because that is an exceptionally difficult phase for other reasons, but, but you can pick them up and put them into the car seat and you can just tie their shoes on and, you know, like, like there are a lot more you can kind of overcomplicate. You're bigger, (laughs) you're bigger and harder and you can kind of take care of some of those things. And, And when they start to come into their own and you start to see them as, as adults, like for the first time, not that they are full adults, but they're becoming the adults that they are going to be. And I, um, I think that there has been this kind of a little bit of, um, recognition and awareness that the things that are really important to me and that I really value may or may not end up being things that my kids really value. And that is okay. That's natural. That's good. I am not a a replica of my own parents. And I like myself. I like the person that I am. And I like the way that we're different. And so I also see the value in that for my kids. 
it, there is a shifting in, um, in role though. When I start to say you, I don't, I'm not only creating guidelines that are for the things that I and your dad value as the kind of parents of this household, but we also need to then accept and invite into the conversation. What are the things that you value as a teenager and how do we create guidelines that, uh, that also encompass those things and how do we respect those things? Um, even if they're not, even if we don't totally understand them. And so I think this room cleaning is a good example of that. Your son's like, I'm busy. I'm playing football. I'm doing school. I don't care if my socks are on the floor. Um, and being able to, you know, and I also feel like some of those things as you become a, maybe not, but as you become a, a full adult, it's like sink or swim. Like by, when you're living in an apartment by yourself and you have friends yep. over, like, are you run around and pick up all your socks or, or do you just really not care? And I guess like when push comes to shove and you actually are an adult, then you get to make those decisions. And maybe it isn't as important for it to be fully reinforced a million times as a, as a kid. I don't know. Well, and one of the things, so I am in a lucky spot. So I have a son who is an adult and yeah, remind um, me ages of your kids. You have four boys. Yep. So 2018, almost 18, almost 16, and then 11. So, okay. yeah. And You're so in the middle of all of that young tweenhood all the way through to adulthood. Yeah. And one of the coolest experiences that I, it was just awesome. So he was out on his own and he started doing things that we do at home. And, and my oldest was not super excited about most of the things that we did at our house. He was definitely his own person. And to watch him like take on all these things that we had done while he was growing up that he acted like he was not interested in. He thought they were lame. And then to watch him do them as an adult. And when I said this to him, he's like, oh, well, like I was listening and I liked the way we did stuff at our house. Like, I just didn't really want you to know that. I love the truth. And I was like, okay. And as I'm watching him as an adult, he does so many things that I thought he didn't care about or he thought he was lame and or thought we were lame, but they made a difference. And I always think like, oh, if parents of teenagers could just understand, like, they're still watching, they're still learning, they're still listening. Like all of these things are so it matters. All those things you're doing and all those things, it seems like they hate. It still matters. I got a compliment from a mom about one of my teenagers, which was so sweet, by the way, of any parents ever sharing something nice about your teenager to you is such a gift. So she shared that. And I shared that with my son. And I was like, wow, babe, like, thanks so much for doing that while you were at this person's house. Like that just, I love that you did that. He goes, oh, mom, like, we do all the things that you teach us, just not when you're around. And then my 15 year old was like, yeah, like we totally do. Like we want to be good people. We just like, don't always want to do it at our house. And it was one of those moments where it's like, you guys are such punks, but I'm so glad like that, that makes me happy that they really are taking in what you're teaching, what's important to your values. And maybe they just always don't want to show it when they're with you. Yeah, you know, and part of that is, is probably developmental, right? That they're in this real differentiation from family stage. And so when they're away from you, they can, like, 
taking like being an individual is doing some of the things that you do as a family, but when you're home, they don't want to be so intertwined. So they maybe choose like, I'm going to act like I don't care. I'm going to not do it when I'm here because that would just be sort of like playing along. But I definitely take those things with me. That's so interesting and also annoying, <laughs> right? <laughs> but great, you know. I don't know. It's a funny, it's a funny thing. Oh man, kids are kids are so interesting. So I want to, in particular, focus in on some ideas that you have about connecting with your teens throughout all of the challenges. And you know, f- there's fun parts too. I mean, I have to say. It is challenging and there, I feel like everything is heightened, like almost like when I was in newborn stage that I was so utterly exhausted and just like felt like I could sleep for a year. And then also the sweetest moments were so sweet. Like is this, you know, really kind of dramatic roller coaster, which I don't know if that's healthy. I feel like I'm kind of back in that with my teens that I have, when we have these really fun moments, they are so heightened, just so lovely. And maybe it's because they're a little more fleeting and few and far between that I'm like, this is the best. I have this sidekick that we can actually have a real conversation. And when they act like they care, they care deeply. And, you know, it's really sweet. And then also the opposite of that is when things are rough, I feel like I am just like, I feel like I can't do it. Like I'm going to just give up. <laughs> I'm going to totally. give up. Like, you know, it's really, it's really kind of wide. Um, so through all of that, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, what are some suggestions that you have or some ideas for maintaining connection, just that true love and connection person to person? Well, I have a couple of ideas that have worked for me um, with, and my boys have all very, very, very different personalities. And so there's a few things that I feel like kind of work across the board when it just comes to connection. So the first thing is, for me, sometimes you just have to be fun. Like there are, there is just this really, really intense feeling when you have teenagers because you're like, oh my gosh, you're growing up, you're going into the world, you don't know this. How do you already not know this? Like this is so bad. What have I not taught you? And it feels like, like they went from this place where everyone gives them grace to this place where you feel like everyone thinks they should already know and be and do. And um, so that kind of comes back to you as a parent, like, oh wow, like how do they not know this or why are they acting like this? So my first thing is you still just need to have fun. Sometimes it's not a parenting moment. Sometimes it's not a teaching moment. Sometimes they don't deserve the fun, but you have to have it. They value, teenagers value people who are fun. They just do. And so if you're not one of those people, they are not going to value you. And I'm not saying like every day, but I'm saying like sometimes they need to just see you like, throw caution to the wind and yes, it's not in our budget. And no, I never stop for a treat because we, but we are heck yeah. Like right now. And, and guess what? It might be a time when you've been a total punk. This isn't a treat reward. This is just because I just want to be in the moment with you. And so like really making sure you have those fun moments where they're like, yeah, that was awesome. My mom's so cool. Or where you're dancing in the kitchen or whether you're, you know, just being like, yeah, let's, let's just go for a drive. Or you totally wanted to go miniature golfing today. It's not your birthday. Like I'm taking you, let's go, let's miniature golf, you know, whatever that is, whatever matters to them. So that is my first thing. I think I got really serious as a teen parent of like, everything's a life lesson and they're just, they can just get so over it, like stop it and just be for a little bit. So that's one of them. 
The second thing is find some things to talk about that aren't so serious. When you have a teen, I feel like conversations all of a sudden become like very, very serious all of the time. Um, And even if they're not serious, a lot of times they become like a little bit like nagging, like, who are you hanging out with? Who did you eat lunch with? Like very, very, like, let me get into your life, but in a really annoying way. I always like to say, flip it around. Yeah. Like, I want to know all these things, not only because I'm interested, I'm interested, but I also kind of want to like tell you how to do it better. A hundred percent. And they see like right through it. And so, so figuring out some like things that you want to talk about that are out of the serious space and out of their space, whether it's politics or um, like movies or video games, whatever it is that feels kind of like this safe, neutral spot that you can just bring up something cool. Like, oh my gosh, did you hear about this? And I know politics sounds serious to some, but for sometimes, sometimes for kids, it's really interesting. Um, or even if it's like fashion or if it's makeup, whatever it is, sometimes they just want to connect, but they're like so tired of being like, uh, this is who I sat with at lunch. And this is what my history teacher said. Yeah. Like I'm on top of it. It's like, if you think about your friends, if you had a friend that was constantly draining you, you would not choose that all the time. Right. That's not who you'd go to. And so as a parent, you still have to have all those conversations, but there needs to be an and to that. And we talk about mountain biking and we talk, you know, whatever it is. So finding some more neutral spaces that you can connect over. Um, in addition to that, finding things that you bond over, whether it's like a Netflix show or um, a video game or how to do their hair, whatever it is. And I know this one was hard for me because I'm I'm someone that doesn't really like to waste my time. <laughs> And so a lot of things that my kids liked felt like a waste of time for me to spend time in. And so really, sometimes it's a big sacrifice to, you know, if they like to game and you're like, oh my gosh, tell me about like Fortnite. Like, what are you doing on this? When I don't care at all, not even a little tiny bit. Sounds ridiculous, you know, but doing it anyway. Or introducing them to a show that you love or letting them introduce you to a show they love and you're like, I only watch TV like two hours a week and I would not want to watch this for my two hours a week. It's okay. Watch it anyway, or find a show that they love. Another thing that I have found to be really awesome is letting my teens know that I want them. So for a long time with little kids, anytime I got to escape, I really like to use that like for my alone time. And one of right. the things that has been really awesome that I've started doing is when I'm going somewhere and, and it's cool. Cause when you have teenagers, you don't have to bring everyone. So it's kind of awesome, but yeah, you can leave the rest of them at home. Yeah. But like offering them a chance to be with me. And a lot of times it's not even what I want to do, but then when I do it, it's awesome. So I'll just say, Hey, I'm running to Costco. Do you want to come? If you come, you can choose like meals come and they come or I'm running to the grocery store. Like if you come, you choose cereal. And they'll come because then they get to choose the cereal. And so letting them know that you want them in your space. And then sometimes like I'm a little bit over the top on like verbal, but um, I'll be like, thank you so much for coming with me. That was so fun having you at the store with me. And that might not always be like your first choice. Maybe you did want some alone time, but I think our kids, just like everyone, they know when they're wanted. And especially if they're going through hard times at school or like, they're not feeling very included by friends to have people in their life that 
don't just say they love you, but show like, I like you. I want you around. And sometimes the best time to do this is when you actually don't. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me more about that. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the tools that I found with parenting teens that has really helped me is, and this is maybe kind of weird, but taking myself out of body Mm -hmm. and saying like, who do I want to be for them? I know how our relationship can grow. So how do I want our relationship to grow right now? And Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes that allows me to be a different person than is natural for me. Because I think we all, there's an idea like, oh, I want to be authentic. But honestly, we really want to be our best selves. And especially with our kids. Like my authentic self is like, don't bug me. (laughs) Right. But that in that moment, for sure. Yeah. That's like not the relationship that I want. And so I kind of take myself out of body and think like, who do I want and need to be for my child right now? And the cool thing about this is that a lot of times what we don't want to do becomes like a really, really great moment. And so, yes, there's some sacrifice, but then I'm always so glad they came to Costco with me, right? Like, Yes, I kind of wanted to listen to my book or I kind of wanted a few minutes on my own or I really didn't want somebody to ask about, can we get this while I'm at Costco? But when I invite someone in and then we connect and we have like this really great moment, even if it's just like 10 or 20 minutes, I come back and I'm so grateful that I chose the harder option. And a lot of times with teens, the harder option is usually the better option in the long run. And, and I think our relationships are built on just all of these small moments, like that moment for your kid to say like, oh, like my mom really wanted me to come with her to Costco. That's kind of weird. But like that was kind of fun. Like I really liked okay. being there with her. So I think yeah. that's just like, and even like in really hard situations, taking myself out of body and being like, okay, I want to scream and yell. I want to say, what in the heck were you thinking? You're such an idiot. Like you know better. Like why in the world would you do that? You realize what the consequences are. Taking myself out of the moment and saying like, who do I need to be? Like what, if I say this, will it bring connection? Will it let him know he can come to me? Will it make our relationship better? Will it help him solve his problems because he has someone in his corner as opposed to like wanting to just shame and tell him he's an idiot because truly that is true also, you know, but who do I want to be? So yeah. Yeah, I love that. Some thoughts that I had were um, this idea of uh, like inviting them along. And so there are kind of two things that you shared that I feel like I love individually. And I also love them in the reverse. One is, um, you know, doing the things that they want to do and having fun with them on their level in their world, even if you're not that interested, truly, which I feel that Fortnite, like so deeply Fortnite, Cuphead, uh, Minecraft. I mean, we've got it all happening over here. And I'm like, I have no idea. I tried to play Minecraft once with my middle son. And I just was like lost in a cave the whole I could not figure out. I mean, I was like, this is a real challenge. And he just kept having to rescue me. And I don't think he's ever invited me to play since because he's like, she's not that fun to play with. Um, but there's definitely this stepping over into like, I'm not that interested, but I love you. And like, I'm interested in you. And so it's like, because I love you and I'm interested in you and who you are and curious about who you are, then that's a natural like next step is like, okay, I'm going to, for you, do these things. And, and we expect people to do that for us all the time. I mean, I expect my husband 
I mean, and he's, he's lovely and, and does come along, but I mean, there's lots of things that we've done in our relationship that he only does because I am interested in it. He doesn't 100%. care about it. He comes along because he loves me and we do that same thing for our kids. Um, and inviting them along for things that, um, that we m- may prefer to do alone. One thing I was thinking, um, I went, I did a short road trip a couple, well, I guess a month or so ago and, um, invited my 13 year old along. It was just a weekend trip. Um, I was actually going up to Ohio to get a tattoo from a tattoo artist that I have been obsessed with for several years. And she had an opening and I was like, okay, whatever, I'm going to drive up to Ohio. It's very random, but that's what we did. Drove up to Ohio. So I invited my oldest along and, um, it was a long, I mean, it was nine hour drive. We stayed in a hotel in Philadelphia or, um, in Pennsylvania. And then we were at the, um, convention all day on Saturday and then, you know, drove home all day Sunday. So it was a really long weekend of just the two of us, me and my 13 year old. And along the drive, we did a lot of like, he would DJ and stuff. And we, he was listening to things and I was kind of like learning some of the new music he's listening to and stuff. And that was great. And then like around hour six, seven, we were kind of out of his stuff. And I said, well, I've been listening to this interesting book. Do you like, do you want to listen? And so I turned on a book that I've been listening to that is like, it was a psychology book for my grad school program. And he initially was like, Oh, I'll just like put my headphones in. But then he took his headphones out and he listened along with me. I mean, it's a nonfiction book about (laughs) positive psychology. It was hilarious. But the amount of times in the last month that things from that book have come up in our conversation at home, Milo will say, Oh, is it that guy who, who was in that book? Or is that that alligator story from that book? And I think sometimes we forget to also let our kids into our lives. Like let them know what we're into as adult people, not just as mom, but like, what am I listening to on a drive by myself as Miranda? That's something that's kind of a special thing for him to get to know me as me, just the way that I want to get to know him as him, not just as my son, but as a person and him getting to know me, not just as his mom, but also as a human with interests and, you know, like a whole, a whole being. And there's something kind of fun and interesting about that. And I know that he has felt uh, just because of the amount of times that it's come up in conversation or kind of like memory or a little bit of like inside joke, like, you know, we listen to this thing together that he never would have chosen to listen to on his own. It's actually, there's been a couple of times that, that we've done that um, where we've been driving together and we're kind of out of things. And so I turn on my book, the book I'm listening to that would never be something that he would choose, but then he's into it. And um there's something about just that common humanity that's starting to, I mean, I believe this for our young kids too, but it's easier to see them as full people, the more full adults they become, the more full people they become. Yeah. Um, I'm such a proponent of that too. And even, even sometimes when we're having like issues or problems, not really personal ones, but you know, even talking that through with our teenager, you know, maybe there's something going on with like a younger sibling and you're like, Oh, you know, they're just, I got to figure out how to help, you know, Pierce get his homework done. Like, what do you think? Like, do you have any suggestions and bringing them in, you know, to the things that we love to do, to the problems that we're having? They love being elevated. They love being elevated to those spaces and to those conversations. And that I think is such a good reminder, you know, even if you love something like turning them onto that, like, you know, whether it's music or a show or a hobby even if they don't act like they're like super into it, one of the things you'll find is they'll tell their friends like, Oh yeah, uh-huh. I like listen to this band, you know, and, and they're very cool because of it, but it's their mom's band. And, you know, so 
just remembering that even if they're not like super pumped about it, like you said, maybe in the moment, them coming back to it, our kids want to connect with us. I fully believe that every kid wants a relationship with their parents. And that I think is just a universal truth. And a lot of times it's up to the parents to figure out how that's going to work. And so kind of going into it, thinking like my kid does want a relationship with me. I don't know how that's going to look, but they want it and figuring out what you can do to make that happen. I love, I love your example of that. Yeah. There's something about, um, yeah, us being responsible for maintaining that tie because they, they may kind of come in and out of it. And I've noticed, um, my husband and I kind of laugh about this all the time that like, we'll have like a real kind of um, conflict and five minutes later, it's as if it never happened for our, for our kids. And I'm still kind of reeling, like still kind of wrapping my head around what just happened or, you know, and to then recognize like, this is hard. It's hard to be a teenager. There are things going on hormonally, socially, emotionally that they have never imagined. And I, you know, I'm not, I I believe that I'm still progressing and developing even as an adult. And I've gone through a lot of that. Like I've got a fully formed prefrontal cortex. I am, you know, I'm educated and I'm fairly emotionally mature. If one of us is going to be the one to hold steady this connection, it has to be me. It has to be me who says, okay, in my head, I give myself a second to say, that was kind of weird. And I'm not totally over it yet in my head. But I'm the one who's going to say, great, you're happy now. Let's be happy now. Let's move on. Um, I think that was actually so brilliant what you just said. That was so brilliant because you're right. Like it is up to us. They are going through a really hard time. And I, you know, cycle back to when you were in middle school and the things you were trying to deal with and then amplify it by 50 to 100 because of the new world that they live in and how many more things they have to deal with. And I always think like, it was, it was hard enough without social Knowing media. Knowing what all your friends were doing phone. all the time. Yeah. Yes. It was hard Having- enough. And so yeah. giving them a lot of grace, but then also I, I never like to have like the mantra of like, oh, your life is so hard or anything like that. Like you are well equipped. You are well equipped to deal with the life that you have, to deal with the world that we have. You have parents who have helped you. You have teachers who are helping you navigate, you know, you are strong. You are capable of doing this. Yes, it's hard. And and you are well equipped for it. So yeah, I love that. And that kind of brings me to, um, I had taken a couple notes and you hit on really everything that I, that I was kind of curious about. Um, the last thing I had wrote down is be obsessed with their strengths. Just, and that's where you're just right there. Like you're resourceful, you're strong, you're smart. Do you make decisions that I don't agree with sometimes? Yes, absolutely. And I remember, I feel like one of the defining characteristics of teenagerhood is being so self-aware in like all of your negatives. And I have to remind myself, I don't need to tell him that he, you know, isn't doing well enough in school or that he, you know, like needs to take a shower or whatever. Like he is well aware of these things that are, of what would be perceived ineptitudes or perceived weaknesses or faults. Teenagers are that's really one of kind of the hard things about being a teen is all of a sudden recognizing that you are not as cool as you thought you were when you were nine and being obsessed with their strengths and reinforcing their strengths and recognizing them and calling them out because 
because of our negativity bias, we will automatically just assume whatever small bad thing is going on is a big bad thing going on. And we, we have to counterbalance that with big, good things, recognizing big, good things that they have going for them. And, and, you know, I love the way that you said in your verbal, like, thank you so much for coming with me to Costco. It meant so much for you to spend this time with me. Like that's a thing that could easily go unsaid, but putting that into, you know, filling up their, their jar or whatever metaphor you want to use where they like filling their bucket, those things matter. And, um, and that's something that I'm trying to remain sort of centered in is this idea of like, these kids are incredible kids. And one of my biggest jobs is going to be reminding them of that as they go through, as they kind of navigate the difficulties of growing up. Yeah. One of the things that I like to say is that it's hard to, it's hard to push away a person who's constantly building you up. You may not like them all the time, but it's really hard to say, I'm not interested in you being in my life. If you are the person that is like on my team, if you are my fan, you, I mean, I, there's plenty of times where my kids are bugged by me or, you know, mad at me or whatever that's, but, but they're not going to not want me in their life because I am cheering for them so hard. And anytime someone says they're really struggling with a relationship with their teenager, the very, very, very first thing I say is start complimenting them as often as possible. And they'll be like, there's nothing to compliment. And I'm like, then do whatever you can find. Hey, thanks so much for waking up this morning. Like, so happy to see you. Thanks so much for waking up. Like that normally isn't complimented, but you know what? If that's all you got, that's all you got. And what happens is it completely changes how your teenager feels about you. All of a sudden they're like, wait, my, my mom's my, my fan. Like, why is she being so nice? No one is going to open up to somebody who's always seeing the negative or never even noticing the positive. And so that is truly the very first thing I say to any parent who's struggling is spend the next week just noticing every time thing. Hey, thank you so much for taking your dish to the sink. Even though I freaking told you to put it in the dishwasher, this is so annoying. Like you're uh-huh. gonna not say the last part and be like, "Thanks right. so much for t- putting your dish <laughs> in the sink." It, but stop yourself, <laughs> right? Like out of body experience. Like, how do I need to build this relationship? You know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, or even like the minute you notice them doing something, oh, you already got started on your homework. You're so awesome. Like that's so responsible even though you know they're just going to open their book and then pull their phone out. Nope, we're going to like see the good. This is what we're doing. And and it really changes things. And some people's relationships are so like rough. They need to just like send it in a text or put a post-it note on their bed. They're like, things are pretty icy. Um, But when you start noticing the positive, I have noticed things like those walls start to thaw and, and things start to come down. And they start to just like have a little crack in there for you where you can start building a relationship. But people who try to build relationships or fix things with someone that doesn't think they like them, right. none of us are motivated to do that. Like, no. like when, I mean, if, if you think that someone doesn't like you, nothing you do ever works out, you're never good enough. The effort you want to put into that relationship is, is very low. But when you see someone who's like building you, excited about you, you know, noticing all the good, you're like, okay, all right, fine. I might let her have a win every now and then, you know? (laughs) Right. right. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of like, you want to keep your biggest fan around, even if you like kind of pretend like you don't, like that's not the person that you're going to say 
never mind, see you later, especially if it's sincere, especially if it's coming from a place of, but you know, if it's not like um, self-righteous or deprecating, but it's, but it's sincere noticing real. I mean, every single person has inherent worth and value and beauty. And even if they're not doing all the things that you wrote on the list for them to do, they're doing good things every day. And we just have to I mean, this is good for me. I'm giving myself a pep talk here. My son's going to be home from school in a few hours. What is he doing that is just absolutely, you know, like, what are the good things? What can I call out? What can I um, state? And I think for me and for him and for them, I mean, all of my kids will eventually become teenagers. There's something powerful about not just thinking it. Like, I think it does good for us to notice it, but notice it and say it, notice it and write it down, notice it and text it. He can't read my mind. And the amount of he goes to bed and, you know, Dave and I are sitting in our bed kind of processing the day. And we notice together, like, gosh, things were kind of rough here and there, but did you see that? Or did you notice that? And then we go to sleep and I'm like, no, I need to start, t- you know, writing those things in a little note and leaving them by the, by the, you know, breakfast table or whatever, so that I don't keep those things in my head and heart that, that he knows that they know that my kids are aware that they are, I think they're the coolest. And nothing they do or, I mean, I think I tell them from time to time that specific, like nothing you could do would make us love you less, but there's a difference between having someone love you unconditionally because they're your parent and knowing that and knowing that they like you, that they they care about you as a person, not just as a son or daughter or, you know, child, but because of who you are, that's, I think in different phases of your life even more powerful than knowing that you're like unconditionally loved. I think it matters more to a teen to be liked than to be loved. I think it does too. I think it does too, especially in those early years when they're like figuring out friends and it doesn't feel like lots of people like them to have your parents truly. And that, that was something that I realized with my teenagers is yeah. Like being loved. It almost feels like you have to, (laughs) like, like you're my parent, like you have to love me, but being liked. And that's why like, you know, being wanted you know, wanting them around, being excited about what they're excited about, thinking they're really cool and letting them know, you know, and like you said, not in a way that's like, oh, it's just my mom, but like a a genuine, like awesome way. Teenagers see through things like they see through BS really, really fast, especially in their parents. So making sure that like what you're saying is true and they know it's true. And even like, sometimes I think parents, go like they try to build up when it's not true and that doesn't always work they see through that when your kid is feeling so in this really really awkward stage and you just keep on going you're so beautiful no no you're so beautiful you're so beautiful it's like dude no one thinks I'm cute stop like you know like (laughs) that's actually so annoying so find something else that you can like genuinely compliment you know what what can you do you know Stop saying like, I have beautiful skin. My, I am acne everywhere. Like, I know you're telling a lie right now. That's not true. Like move on to something that's true. They know, they know when you're just like playing a game, you know? And so helping them know that you're like, you're really genuinely on their side. You're so excited about them. You see the best in them. It's, it really can change things for them, but also for you because you're starting to notice and it changes the way you feel about your child as you focus on the positive. And then one of the things I think is the best is just the positive feedback loop that starts happening. 
as you start noticing the good things, they want to do more good things. And that's what I found in my kids. People genuinely like to make other people happy. And when they see something small makes a difference to someone, they're like, oh, okay. Like, maybe I'll do that again. That felt good to me. That felt good to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's such a great point that, um, that felt good to me. That felt good to them. We had, a uh, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, I'm not going to complain. We had a really great weekend, teenager weekend. We've had some rough ones. This last one was exceptional for whatever reason. And I, at one point was driving, I took my oldest to get lunch at a, at a local place nearby. And on the way he, he was saying something about how he had been really helpful all weekend. He had been pretty, you know, busy, engaged in, in things that we hadn't even asked him to do, which is so unusual, but also was like, we tried to be really on like, wow, this is so great. And, and I um, said, that was really, you know, it's been really cool. How have you felt about it? How does it make you feel? Um, And he was like, it feels good. It feels good to be helpful. It feels good to be doing things that, that I know make a difference in our family. And, um, and I said, is it easier? Do you think it's easier or harder than kind of like not doing, not being helpful? And he's like, it's probably harder but worth it. And I was like, those are connections. Like, that's not just me saying like, be helpful. You're going to feel better. It's inviting him to actually consider like, what does it feel like when you're actively adding value to our family versus just taking it and letting him sort of resonate in it. And I wasn't trying to say it's good or bad or better or worse. You know, I was just like, what do you think about it? And for him to come to that conclusion on his own, like it's harder to be helpful, but it feels better. I'm like, that's a building block right there that hopefully will continue, you know, because I, I still have to learn that for myself. Like things are, when things are hard in my own life and work and things that I'm doing, I'm like, I really just want to go lay on the hammock and, you know, and I have days that I do that and that's fine. And also it feels good to be actively engaged in adding value outside of yourself and it's hard and it also feels good. So that was a good. I love that you gave him the opportunity to articulate how he felt too. And I love that you were also open to the fact that he might say, eh, I'd rather, I'd rather not, you know? And that is so important that you were there for either answer, right? And you weren't going to like direct the conversation or make him feel a certain way. And sometimes like, depending on who your kid is, like maybe they're a punk and maybe they're going to say like, eh, like helping sucks. Right. But like, (laughs) right. But you're giving them the opportunity to self-reflect. And whether they say something that's true or something that isn't true, you know, it's not like about a debate. It's like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, I get that too. Some days I want to lay in my hammock. I, I feel you. Like I do yeah. have days that I'm really happy about being productive, but I, I I feel that too, you know. And sometimes I think like we take everything our kids say, like you said earlier, so seriously. <laughs> and like, yeah. And like, if they're that way right now, that actually means they will grow up to never be a productive member of society, right? Like you're doing oh, like that. It's like, really easy to k- take this one conversation and spin it forward into like, oh no, he's going to be living in my basement until he's 50. Like <laughs> totally. that, I, it's real easy to get there. Yeah. But just being able to just take it as a moment and be like, yeah, at 13, I didn't really want to weed the garden either. And look at me. I'm totally, totally. productive. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's kind of been my other main thing is just trying to just be here. This is like be right here today, this week, this day, this morning. What what happens today does I mean, I feel like it's kind of a funny thing because we also know 
small things do make a big difference over the long term. But on the other side, small things are here. They're just for today. It's fine. We're going to get through it. Little, you know, disruptions and conflicts and frustrations right now. I mean, again, here I'm preaching to myself because I need to remember these things when I'm right in the middle of it. Like these things that feel like they're going to have this lasting impact for the negative probably won't. We're probably going to be just fine. And so just allowing it to kind of be what it is right now without spinning into existential crises, you know, focus on the good, have fun together, recognize them as, as humans, give them all the compliments we can in sincerity and, you know, just like get to know them, love them, let them get to know us, love us. And then being okay with the boundaries and, and having expectations. Like that is part of being a human and being part of a family. Like, and it's okay when he says that sucked and you can say, yeah, sometimes work does suck. And I totally get that. Thank you so much for helping anyway. Like that's part of being in our family. You know, that, that's an okay thing to say too. And, you know, you're more of like on like the, you know, the rule expectation side. So we were talking a lot more about like fun and connection. And, but if there's a parent that's more on just like the fun and connection side of realizing how important also like those rules and expectations and boundaries are so that they can develop into the people that they need to be. And also giving yourself some pats on the back for having those boundaries and expectations and rules. That's also really, really important as we raise our kids into being the humans that they want to be, that they really do have both sides of of that coin. Yeah. There's some kind of front loaded work as a family to do that. Um, I think just six months ago, we we're working with a couple different counselors. I have my own coach. We have family counselor and there's, um, I mean, I love just learning and having input from other people. I think it's really helpful and definitely has been beneficial for all of us. And, um, one of our counselors suggested, but she just asked, do you have like family values? Do your kids know what your family values are? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course we do. We have been raised religious. Yeah. I'm like, we have all these values. And she's like, well, no, but do you have, have you defined for yourself your own family values. And I was like, Oh, this is so funny. Cause I do this with coaching clients, like clients that I coach all the time. I do it with people in my courses all the time. I hadn't sat down with my family of kids old enough to articulate their own ideas to come up with our family values. What does our Anderson family right now care the most about? And it was such a productive, wonderful discussion about, you know, like I said, four or six months ago, we kind of formulated our, our core values as a family that are different than my individual values or in, you know, like we all collaborated and then it's something that we go back to and we'll, you know, at family dinner, we'll like mention like, so what, what is this? Or or which value does this thing um, build upon? And I think having that foundation then enabled us to measure our rules and boundaries and guidelines as a family against those things. Like, are we enforcing the things that we care most about or are we enforcing sort of arbitrary things? And um, I feel like, I didn't realize there is a little bit of system to this and it feels easier when you have done some of that work to have clarity as parents and that my husband and I are very much on the same page because we established this all together. The kids are on the same page because they were involved in the process and we're like, oh, okay, once you have an actual ladder to climb, it's easy to know how to get to the top of the ladder. But if you don't, if you're just randomly, I mean, for years, we've just been like, oh, that's a, that you shouldn't do that. Or that's a rule or whatever. But we had never just actually formulated what these things are and what the, you know, consequences, natural or, or, or benefits, even privileges, (laughs) all of these guidelines and, 
Um, I mean, it seems maybe silly that we hadn't done that, but, but what a huge benefit to be able to sit down together, collaborate together, establish boundaries together. And I think a lot of times we outsource these things to institutions, whether community or religious or spiritual organizations that we belong to, that we just say, well, we'll just co-op whatever their guidelines are as our own guidelines. And that, I feel like it requires a little bit of fine tuning for your own individual family circumstance and set of ideals. So you can learn broadly from those things, but none, I don't think any big organization was meant as a one size fits all for every single individual situation. And so to be able to kind of learn from what's out there, but then bring it home into our own family and say, what are the things that we, the five of us care most about? How do we want those things to show up in our lives? How do we protect and love and care for each other? And then build our guidelines based upon those things was really a powerful exercise and has been something that, um, that, that clarity has really helped to be able to have a more, have more understanding around the why. Yeah. I think, I think why is really important to teenagers. And so being able to know what that is, that when you say, um, and going back to like taking your values from something, the problem is, is there are so many values out there. Right. Right. And I actually like pretty much believe in all of them. Right. Like, yes, yes. Kindness. Yes. Independence. Yes. All these things. But you got to kind of hone in on the things that are very most important. Of course, we want to be people with a lot of values, right? With all these good values, but sometimes you can't have all of them. And so kind of, you know, figuring out, drilling down what's important to your family. And also that kind of goes along with what you will put boundaries and consequences around, you know, if, if some, if one of your values in your family is honesty, then when someone doesn't tell the truth, like they're going to know, like, that's going to be a big deal. And not that honesty doesn't matter to every family, but maybe it's not a top five. Maybe you're okay with stretching the truth here or there, or maybe you're, you know, whatever it is. And even though honesty is important, maybe it's just like not a top five for you. Yeah. And I think that's really helpful for kids too, to know, like if, if one of our values is um, like being careful with money, you know, spending our money wisely, then when your kid asks for $200 shoes, you're like, Hey, you know what? Like, that's really fun for you. And that's like really important. If, and if you want to earn that, that's great. But because one of our family values is like spending our money wisely, we're saving up for this trip because experiences are really important to us. But if you want to earn your own shoes, like that's awesome. Instead of just being the lame mom who always says no to everything that, you know, it's like, right. Hey, you know what? This is like, this is one of our family values. Like I'm more than happy for you to earn the money for those $250 shoes. I personally don't feel good about it because of where our values are at, but like you can do something different. That That's awesome. You know? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I think that clarity is really helpful for just foundational wise for identity, for um, boundary holding, and also where the flexibility can come into, you know, so. Oh, well, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for spending your time with me this morning. And on such short notice, I literally what emailed you two days ago and said, hey, do yes. you I know. I'm like, Miranda plus teenagers. Yes, <laughs> I will figure it out. I, so. I just appreciate it so much. And I, um, I, it is just helpful to feel like, I'm not alone. There are other moms with who are going through it now who have kids older than mine who are incredible people doing great things. And, you know, like, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through. (laughs) 
So thank you for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. And I will uh, make sure that I link to your website and your books and all of the things so that my, um, so that my listeners can follow up and learn more from you, your Instagram, which is just like such a fount of, of knowledge. So, and advice and tips. So thank you so much. Thanks, Miranda. It was great to talk with you. Isn't she great? Thank you so much for listening, for tuning in to Live Free Creative Podcast today. And thank you again to Brooke for being so candid and open and sharing such insight and wisdom with me. Friends, I want you to know that you are not alone. You're not alone in parenting your teenagers. You're not alone in parenting your toddlers. You're not alone in your struggle with having children, with infertility. You're not alone in looking for a partner or trying to figure out what that relationship might look like. You're not alone in wondering what you want to do with your life or how you want to spend your free time or what makes meaning in your everyday. We are in this together and I promise that every single thing that you're going through is something that someone else has also felt before. Sometimes it just takes reaching out to a friend, getting a little vulnerable, asking how people are feeling, what they're dealing with, and then being willing to share the challenges that we're facing in our lives as well. Whatever it is that you're going through this week, I hope that you know that you're not alone. I hope that this episode and any of the other episodes that I share here on Live Free Creative can help you feel less alone, can help you feel a little bit more empowered, a little bit more interested, a little bit more curious about the questions that you're facing. Again, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, please leave a five-star rating and written review on iTunes. If you like the show, please share it with a friend or family member. Send it in a text or an email or just mention it over coffee. If you like the show, take a screenshot and share it on social media. Link it so that your friends know what you're listening to. I appreciate you. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'll chat with you again next week. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.